at this point, uh, I'm th again, throw out the spoiler warning, so we can be free to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So if you haven't seen the movie and do not want spoiled, pause us now, come back after watching the movie. Uh, otherwise, continue listening as we dive into all the spoilers. So this is your last warning. Spoilers will follow. Okay, so now that we're in the spoiler zone, wasn't it really weird in the Shang-Chi trailer how... Uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> I, I wasn't sure if I was going to say that or Ghostbusters. <laughs> I was debating. <laughs> I, had, I, I was talking to somebody at work, and uh, he like I flat out told him, I only watched the first Shang-Chi trailer. So he's like, did you see the trailer? I was like, yeah, I only saw the first one. He's like, oh, so you saw the one with Abomination? And I was like, no, you motherfucker, no. That's not the first trailer that I watched. <laughs> and wh why would you pose a specific question if you're potentially, like, you should you Well, should he was adamant yourself. the one with Abomination was the first trailer. Right, I think right, it's right. marked as, still... like, the first official trailer, but it's not, the, like, the teaser trailer well, the, is yeah. the yeah, first the, trailer. The, the teaser is way different than the trailer. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't. I don't even know if he was in the trailer I saw now because I don't remember that, but I also <laughs> might not have been paying that much attention because it wasn't Dynasty Warriors. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bright Guy and Super Friends. I'm your host, Brian Levick. Joining me for this episode is someone who watched this movie on his stolen style watch, Josh Zorch. Oh, no, I'm not that trendy. Someone gave you bad information. <laughs> uh, next up is someone who loves being covered in angel splooge, Mike Bradley. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> All right. And finally, he can't swim and he's got more hair than Weasel, Ian Leidick. What's up, guys? Check out my OnlyFans at OnlyFans.com backslash Girl Crush. Each week, I post a different video of a girl crushing a watermelon with her thighs. Are, are these just videos you find online, or are these videos that you have someone do for you? I commission a different girl each week to oh. crush a watermelon Woman. with her Woman, thighs. Ian. <laughs> What'd I say? Girl. Oh, no. See, I legally have to call them girls. It's in the contract. <laughs> That actually seems more worrisome. Yeah, <laughs> you were you were doing so well up until then. I don't worry. I got the contract through LegalZoom. It's it's airtight. <laughs> they were a sponsor. <laughs> How did you know? They told me it was legit. Um, all right, so we're probably about uh, I don't know a month late or so on this, uh, but we're finally gonna get around to talk about James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Uh, I don't know. This is like. The requel seaboot like i don't is it <laughs> oh god is it a reboot we're, or a sequel gonna, like where do you guys we're fall not gonna help this? those terms happen <laughs> so, wait. I don't, like i don't know where to what to call it it's i guess technically a sequel but i guess it's a reboot i don't know where you guys fall it's a sequel you, guys, you think yeah, sequel? it's a sequel straight up sequel? after seeing it i'm just going with with, with sequel because i think i feel like now reboot is is reboot is used incorrectly by studios that want you to not remember something that they're maybe not as proud of. So they call it a reboot just to forget about part one, even though it's Correct. technically a sequel. Correct. Okay. Yeah, sequel's probably an easier one to go with, so we'll go with that. 
Uh, all right, so our format for this episode, we're going to go, I think, more in line with our Rewind Theater reviews. Uh, so we're going to try to get a, a feel for a little bit of a tweaked format for that. So we're going to get to our discussion portion. We're only going to do three categories instead of five. And instead of 10 minutes for each category, we're going to do 20 minutes for the three categories each. So we're going to do direction and story, actors and characters, and then pretty much whatever else we want to talk about that hasn't been covered, we'll throw in that third category. And we'll see... If we can, I don't know, maybe color between the lines in this one a little bit better than normal. Um, but for The Suicide Squad, so the movie is written and directed by James Gunn. This was a project that Warner Brothers scooped him up to direct after Disney had let him go, after that whole debacle. Uh, and then eventually, you know, Disney got him back, so he's back in the Disney Club too. Um, James Gunn has stated that in interviews that DC basically gave him like his pick of the litter for whatever property he'd want to make into a movie. So he settled on The Suicide Squad. Uh, so the movie's stars Margot Robbie, Idris Elba, uh, Daniela, I'm going to butcher everybody's name, Mel- Melchor? Melchor? McGuire? I don't know. Yep. Uh, John Cena, Dave Dismalchin, Joel Kinnaman, Michael Rooker, Viola Davis, Nathan Fillion, Jai Courtney, Flula Borg, Pete Davison, Mei-Ling Ning, uh, Sean Gunn and Sylvester Stallone. Uh, the movie is also part of Warner Brothers' ongoing slate of movies that release day and date in theaters and HBO Max. So remember that for some of the other stuff we probably end up talking about. Um, I did look up some budgets and uh, opening weekend and stuff like that. So any guesses from you guys for the film's budget? It's got it's got to be kind of hefty for effects. And talent, even if if some people might have been doing gun a favor, like you know, Fillion might like for instance might have taken like a smaller salary than right. he otherwise might get. I'm still gonna go 200 million. Okay, 200 from Josh, Mike. 140. 140, Ian. So as we know, I don't know what movies cost. <laughs> um, 175. Well, for not knowing what movies cost, you are the closest. If you noticed, uh, 100... I just went in between them. Yeah. Uh, $185 million is yeah. what Box Office Mojo listed for the budget for this movie. Okay. Uh, do you guys, I don't know if you were following along, but opening weekend domestic box office. Did you guys hear a number for any of that stuff? Yeah, I sort of did. I'm not sure if I remember it right, but I'll abstain. Anybody want to take a guess? I mean, Mike, I'll like can think of are all the numbers because they all seem to be the same for every movie that's <laughs> released that's like big for the last like three months so i'm going yeah. 25 million mike um opening weekend 80 80 million for just domestic sure. oh you said for just domestic yeah, yeah. domestic oh, opening weekend I- Say a higher number. Okay. <laughs> 40 for just domestic. We'll say it was 50-50. My guess was 80 on worldwide, but yeah. if it's just domestic, I'll cut it in half and say it was 50-50. Uh, yeah, Ian got pretty close. It, 26.5 million. So it came in under projections. And that's why I'm trying to keep in mind that this went to HBO Max the same day also. But what were the projections? Because there was other stuff that, like... Was it was under projections, but it was like twenty seven million, and but the projections were thirty million. 
Right. I don't know if, like, you know, every time they say stuff like this, I haven't seen a number that says we wanted it to hit this, and this is why it's, why the number is under. It just says it came under what predictions were. I mean, there might be a figure out there, and I just didn't see it. I'll, I'll say that. But, I mean, to Ian's point, it seems like most movies that open right now are hitting somewhere around 25 to $30 million opening weekend. That seems to be what everybody's hitting. If it hits over 30, it seems like it's a big, gigantic hit. So we'll have to see where it goes. Uh, current box office total right now for the movie. Uh, last I looked, it had $49 million domestic, $92 million international for a world- worldwide total of $141 million. So as of right now, it's still under what it costs to make the movie. Which, I don't know if that's good, bad. I mean, that's pretty much the state of the movies, right? And like the movie industry in general. So I don't know if Warner Brothers is cool with this. Or if they are still wanting it to make more money. I don't know where they're going to fall. I mean, they're not going to say no to more money. Right. But, yeah, the, I'm I'm really curious. Because I think we talked about how like when, when Godzilla vs. Kong came out. And that was day and date with HBO Max. That seemed like it made a good amount of money at the box office. And I should have went back and looked at those numbers. Because I don't remember offhand what they were. But also, wasn't that one of the bigger, like, tentpole releases to come right. out, finally? Well, I also think this was slated to be... Like, it had very good critic reviews coming up to opening weekend. Word of mouth, I think, was very strong. I, I honestly expected it to get more the opening weekend also. But the also the other trend that seems to be happening is a lot of movies that are PG-13 that hit for maybe, like, younger audiences seem to draw more of a crowd. A rated R movie when adults are mm-hmm. still wary to go to the theater, mm-hmm. is not faring very well. Also, well the, and it hit theaters kind of like right at the time when things started to turn Right, for the Delta became again. a bigger thing, yes. So, it, like, it, it was in a bad spot right there where there was a lot of uncertainty yes. as to what was coming yes. forward. So, that I'm sure didn't help. Um, and like I said, for, for the ratings that was coming into it right now, it's, or at least last I looked rotten tomatoes, it was sitting at a critic rating of 91% and an audience rating of 82%. Uh, Metacritic, it's got a meta meta score of 72 and a user score of 7.2. So they are right on the money for those two. So again, just to reiterate movie came out, HBO max probably contributed to lower than expected numbers. Again, like we talked about COVID you know, had another surge, so that didn't really help. Um, and since, you know, HBO Max does not release any type of figures as far as, like, what... Be, since we talked about with Black Widow, Black Widow is a paid additional fee to Disney+. Plus. So you have something you can monetize and something you can throw out there and say, we made this much money from this movie on our service. HBO Max, if you're subscribed, these movies are free if you're a subscriber. So it's much more difficult to tell... How many people watch this movie through HBO Max as opposed to not going to the theater? Uh, and all HBO Max typically says most of the time is, hey, this was our most watched movie. Well, that doesn't tell us shit. Like, how many people watched? What What are your... They have to have figures on that. They well, just we don't, don't even them. know what constitutes a watch. It could be 10 seconds. It's true. Yeah. You click on it accidentally and that, that counts as a watch. And they're like, just going to tally no, it up. Like when Netflix does the little trailers when you're hovering over something, it could be like, that's a watch. <laughs> oh, yeah, when they like auto. They saw a part of it. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess I'll, I'll just sort of go around with you guys. Do you think the box, box office numbers for the movie are sort of where you expect? You Did you expect the movie to produce better or you fall in line with sort of where we got? 
I mean, I'm expecting uh, this because you know yeah. there's a pandemic. Yeah, <laughs> and and I, I that at best of times, you know, it's an R-rated movie, and look at the history of openings of R-rated movies. They're only going to go to a certain amount. Like Deadpool was a fluke. Yeah, with how much money that made opening weekend. Um, and it had, and not that this didn't. Obviously, like it had brilliant creators and backers as well, but they had the opportunity to do months of marketing in really different creative ways. You know, I think this probably suffered from that. But I mean, the 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 producers and the distributor um, had to know for every single person that we give this access to for free that already has our streaming service that's x amount of dollars potentially you know that we're not getting so you know they knew that ahead of time and that's the argument that you know directors have been making is that they're warner brothers themselves as as a company seemingly showing like all the directors and movies movie theaters like fuck you we don't care we just want subscribers to our service and this is how we get them Right, and, 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 and to the greater point that we always make about this stuff, there's no, like, unless you work for that company, there's no insight that we'll ever know about it to understand how they react to these things. Right. Uh, Mike, you got anything to add? I mean, it, it's something where, you know, until things are back to normal, you don't know what to expect, because you guys touched on the marketing, and, you know, I mean, I, I feel like, Movie studios are not putting forth the same amount of effort to market as they would when times were sure. Because they don't want to dedicate too much and then have to pull it out of the theater again. You know, like, and and that's been the case, I feel like, even for all of these. Like, Godzilla vs. Kong was easy to hype. You know what I mean? And because it was like, oh, things are opening again. Go to the movie theater. And then... Now things are in a more unsure place. You just don't see as much of the marketing. Yeah. I think because they're not willing to invest it until they're 100% sure that they're hitting the theater that day. Yeah. Because, you know, they, I'm sure they have their, I guess, projections or standards for, like, this is how long out it's worth marketing this movie. And... You know, say six months or so is about when heavy marketing for big movies starts. And if they're not sure that they're going to hit that, how much do they want to invest into it? So, I I feel like it's almost impossible to know what movies should be doing at the box office right now. Yeah. Like I said, at the rate we're going, I feel like... uh... One of the other new releases that came out not too long ago was Free Guy. Free Guy made just over $30 million and was, like, hailed as this big pandemic. Like, oh, my God, you made this much money during the pandemic. Like, $30 million used to be nothing, and now that's the benchmark right now. And and that's the thing. Take every advantage that movie had. PG-13, video game basis, every... Well, maybe not every age group, but a very large swath of age groups as their target market... And I think Mike's and, point about marketing, Ryan Reynolds has been hyping this movie up for months. So he's got, yeah. you know, that type of social media following that he's just been pushing this thing for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's one of the biggest names there is right now. Oh, yeah. Because of Deadpool, he became a megastar. Yeah. So it, it changed things. And, you know, I mean, Suicide Squad doesn't really have that 
level. Like Margot Robbie's really big, but she I don't think she's at that level mm-hmm. of popularity, I guess. You know what I mean? Where Ryan Reynolds is just that top of the list kind of person right now. Yeah. Well, they use his advertising in a different way where they try to make it more personable. Which I think is yeah. some issue people now have with Ryan Reynolds is that like he's just always on character, it feels like. Yeah. It's true, yeah. But I will say, like, just thinking about the box office, like, the Joker opening weekend made $140 million in international, and that's how much this movie's made. Oh, yeah. For two yeah. R-rated, like, comic book movies. Right. Mm-hmm. I think there was a lot of people who, and it's, it's sort of like Deadpool, again, and some other R-rated movies, like, I think there are, there are a lot of people who went to see Joker who have very little interest in comic book movies. There was something about that that was like lightning in a bottle that people just found it so interesting and different looking. The tone was strange. Yeah. Um, but so, I mean, there absolutely can be successes. Yeah. Um, but I get if, if you're looking, you know, if you're looking at two movies that were released two to three weeks apart, one's R rated, the other's PG or PG 13 in the exact same, you know, social climate that we've, been in this whole time the one that's r-rated only makes four million dollars less that's what i mean like the that's the pretty impressive discrepancy actually, between there and yet well, suicide squad is looked as like a they like it underperformed and they're saying it's you know certain articles were hailing the suicide squad as a failure opening weekend and yet free guy makes five million more and is like oh my god this is the biggest hit ever for this at, last at couple months of, at best of times Suicide Squad opening weekend with no COVID that ever happened might have opened to a hundred million, might have. But even that would have been hard. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know. I, th- I, I, it, this was never gonna make a billion dollars. So it feels like the, the first, like between like Black Widow and this, like two, the first two comic book movies to come out during all this yeah like, i think the critics and the people that want to write entertainment journalism wanted to find an angle to write something about like just devoid of reality and context well that's the internet in a nutshell go for the clickbaity stuff and get your hit to some degree yeah like they, they wanted to find a point to write their article about and that's what they picked yeah um ian were you going somewhere i think i cut you off well it was just like the four million difference i think there's two ways to look at it one like one also came out on hbo max so, I mean, that could easily make up your four million right there, like those people. Yep. But at the same time, I get hailing free guys like success. I'm sure it was cheaper, and it's also an original IP, which, you know, Hollywood hates kind of doing unless yeah. they know it's a franchise. I'm pretty sure they already greenlit Free Guy 3. <laughs> I see, you know, I saw the tweet actually from Ryan Reynolds that had said, you know, I spent the last six months hyping up Free Guy as an original IP that's self contained. And I just got the call from Disney that they want to greenlit a sequel. So, yay! So, they're at least talking <laughs> about Free Guy 2 already. So, yeah, all the all the stuff that starts as an original IP, as soon as it becomes a hit, it, it's like, okay, how can we make this franchise? Well, because there's more and more... They're being upfront about it. I forget what it is, but there's some movie. It's like a, It's got a $200 million budget, you know, A-list cast, and it's being pitched as, this is the start of our next property. You know, yeah. It, the, a lot of the studios are being more realistic about it. That if they're dropping in more than three, like a hundred million, it's supposed to become a like a property. It's supposed to spawn 
See, and right. they're just being upfront about it now. Yeah. So um, just for just for comparison, this doesn't. It's like apples and oranges, but I thought it's, it was interesting. Um, I think it's still true. For years, I've seen this written somewhere that James Gunn is the only screenwriter in history that had movies open different different movies that he wrote open at number one back to back weekends. And so this happened in 2004. First was Dawn of the Dead from Mr. Schneider. Mm. And then the next week, uh, you, you couldn't get more diametrically opposed than these. Then the next week was Scooby-Doo 2. Yeah, I, keep, I always forget he's, he was involved in that. Yeah, he did both those movies, the live actions. So Dawn of the Dead in 2004 opened at number one at 26.7 million. Oh, all right. To be fair, Scooby-Doo 2 opened at number one the following week. The competition could not have been that stiff. <laughs> I'm just saying that it, that's how it happened. And, and just that both these R-rated movies, both written by him, one directed, come, you know, 17 years apart, yeah. opened pretty much the same amount. Interesting. Okay. Good poll. It's kind of cool. Um, all right, if we got nothing else, I'm going to go into the throughout the spoiler warning and we'll get into this thing. So at this point, uh, I'm th again, throughout the spoiler warning, so we can be free to talk about whatever we want to talk about. So if you haven't seen the movie and do not want spoiled, pause us now, come back after watching the movie. Uh, otherwise, continue listening as we dive into all the spoilers. So this is your last warning. Spoilers will follow. Spoiler! Spoiler! You know, something like that. All right, so we're good to talk spoilers. Uh, so again, our categories uh, going forward, at least for this episode, will be direction and story, actors and characters, and then whatever we want to hit that's left. That's our that's sort of our catch-all category. Uh, so we're going to kick off with direction and story. I'm going to put 20 minutes on the clock. Uh, Josh has volunteered to go first. So whenever you're ready, sir, take us there. All right, so I'm going to preface this uh, opening statement by saying that after seeing this new movie, The Suicide Squad, for the first time in five years. Uh, last week, I went back and rewatched 2016's The Suicide <laughs> Squad. Uh, is the only other time I've seen it, except the one time I saw it in theaters. And I'm, I'm bringing that up to say that... Because, so I, ha I, I, I went back and, and then I watched James Gunn's Suicide Squad with a, a second viewing uh, as well. So, I I feel like I can't watch this one without the experience and the context of the first one. So, I'm going to be affected by what my impression had been for the last five years of that first movie. And, like, what did I think worked better? Did I react differently just based on that, uh, you know, bias? Yeah. Uh, uh, that, that experience bias. Um. So we can talk about it later, but I will, f I will say that I think my attitude on David Ayer's uh, Suicide Squad has actually softened a little bit. Better than you remember? Not as bad. Okay. Not as bad. Yeah. We'll take. It. Um, I think they found a. I think, I think this version of it they helped to find the tone that these. If they're going to continue to do Suicide Squad movies, finding this tone for making them was the biggest triumph out of anything. Yeah. James Gunn's approach to team up 
movies, large scale, many multiple characters moving around, and also just thinking of the ridiculousness of it. Well, I think like, the the biggest part too is like the the whole point of like this is a squad of villains that are not supposed to live. Like you are almost want these people to die. You're expecting them to get blown out and killed along the way just because they they are more or less expendable characters. Ayer's right. Suicide Squad, barely anybody bites it. James Gunn puts that right in the first five minutes and basically says, okay, we don't give a shit about any of these people. Have at it. Yes. And that's well, what and I expected I think... more from Ayer's, which didn't happen. But that was one of my major concerns when I first saw the movie, you know, being marketed, was the amount of characters they were trying to introduce oh, in yeah. this new film. It was like, this is too much. Like, it, you know, like, this is way too many people to try and slam in. Here's all these new people we've never seen before in a movie. And we're going to introduce them all. Um, And then, like you said, in the first five minutes, it's like, well, three quarters of that cast is gone. And, you know, if I would have <laughs> done my research, I'm pretty sure we went through the cast list and took votes on who was going to die and who was not, who like, who was going to make it out of the movie. I almost, I'm positive we did that. I don't recall. Wasn't on that episode. <laughs> I, well, at I least for the people that were. I'm I'm sure I I if we did I and if I was there I really just hoped that both Rooker and Desmulchin at least walked away from it and I was if I had said that I would have been disappointed in both counts. I'm trying to remember if I actually have like a running. Oh, you know what? I found it. Oh boy. I'm trying to remember who... All right, so who was on this one? Uh, Mike, Andy, Josh, and me. So Ian was not on that one. Correct. Okay. Well, let's hear it. All right, so, I mean, we went through... Every, even even people that we didn't list, but I'll try to... <laughs> some of these people, I don't know. If, okay, so... Let's see. Idris Alba. And now, I just have yeses and noes, so I don't know if this is yes, they're going to make it, or no, or yes, they're going <laughs> to die. Well, so do, I don't know. Do, we got to work on your note keeping. I mean, well, is, do you is have, hardly do you on the list. Episode, do you have an episode number written down? Uh, no. <laughs> well, I mean, if Harley's there and there's a yes or a no next to her, you can tell. Yeah, Margaret Robbie anybody... is is wise across the board. So I'm going to say yes, they are surviving. Yeah. Yeah, I don't feel like Good any call. of us would have voted her out because so, she's the franchise. Yeah. Idris Alba, Mike, and I thought he was going to bite it. Andy okay. and Josh said he was going to make it. Rooker had nose across the board. Oh. Uh, John Cena. Um, Andy said no. Josh said no. I said no. Mike said yes. Mike called that one. Uh, I, I feel like I should... We're eating into the time for, for story and direction, so I feel like we should do this after. Feels like it belongs in characters. Or, or we could do it that way. Yeah, we'll try to come back to this. I have the list now. We're good. I don't want. I don't want to eat somebody else's time. So I don't know where we're at. Sorry, I'm. I'm. I'm distracting everybody. My 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 closing argument for for this category will be that Gunn approached it in the right way to know exactly where the balance between grounded and stupid is, and fun and hilarious and ridiculous, and and, and it worked. And I think to your point, too, I actually did watch the other Suicide Squad shortly after this one also. And I think one of the first things that stands out 
is the humor. Like, there's so much more humor in James Gunn's version than Ayer's version. But I think that goes with the tone, too. Ayer, I think, was trying to get much more grounded and serious. And this one's having much more fun with the... Maybe... And it could just be the freedom that maybe James Gunn had when making the movie, that he basically could do whatever the hell he wanted to, and it didn't matter. And that makes it funnier. So well, I, I feel anyway. like like right after we watched the movie that Josh and I discussed that specifically, that like this is what can happen for a Warner Brothers movie when Warner Brothers backs off and lets the director do their own thing. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, previously, we I know we've talked about it a lot, how heavy-handed they can be with what they want done in a movie. Right. And in this case, there's no way they went into this with any intention of censoring what James Gunn wanted to do. We wouldn't have got what we got if they did. Right. Um, so I, I, I think it's a good move in the right direction in terms of that, for sure. Uh, Ian, what do you got? So... I think, like, the first ten minutes of this movie is better than anything at all that happens in the first Suicide Squad movie. Like, it's okay. not even close. Like, it's it's absurd how much better it is. Um, I, I thought it was nice that Gunn showed that he knows songs that aren't from the 80s. That was really cool. <laughs> I, I was surprised, kind of, too. Uh, I thought it fl- there was a lot of parts that flowed really well. I really liked the... When Harley Quinn's escaping, like the flowers and birds following around is really beautiful. I like that they were still there as she left. Like it almost made it feel like they really were there. There was really magic in the air. <laughs> and like, you know, they there was like that there was like, like a song that played like twice that was really kinda cool and you know, I, I think they did a lot like they did good work trying to establish um that not only are people gonna die in this, but like that um Walder will actually kill someone. These days, she has to, you know, kill the blonde dude. I can't remember his name, and I don't care to know his actor name. Oh, Rooker. It's Michael Rooker. Yeah, I don't know him. He was, plays they, they did, was he, he the wrestler? He, he did. <laughs> what? No. In the movie, the wrestler. You, Josh. He's, he's... No, that no, was... that was Mickey Rourke. I think they're yeah. the same person. Anyway. <laughs> Um, she did kill somebody in the first Suicide Squad. I don't remember that movie other than the line. What are we, some kind Adam of Suicide Squad? <laughs> that was really good. I actually was rewatching this today, and I clicked the wrong button and started watching Suicide Squad. And I, I had watched, and Will Smith's in it. And I'm like, oh, wow, I don't remember Will Smith being in The Suicide Squad. That's neat. <laughs> and then, like, five seconds later, I was like, this is the wrong movie. <laughs> but like I, I gun did really cool stuff i was surprised the amount of gore we got i guess they established it really early on that this is going to be mortal combat ish in the gore level we were going to get and then at the same time they also just showed us a fully erect penis at one point which i thought was another <laughs> very strong choice just for like no reason whatsoever like just give that guy yeah. pants and everything's fine yeah. yes because even though you get like some pointless boobs later in the strip club on the island in, in the city I, I, it, it, most female nudity in a lot of movies is completely useless to what's going on and whatnot so I, yeah, I absolutely thought it was hilarious that he's like yep we're gonna put that guy in and that, that's for one happening. reason for only Throwing one a dong reason. out there is a cheap laugh but it works every time yep <laughs> It, like it, it does. It just works. I mean, I thought this one really had a story, like an actual overarching story that made sense and flowed really well, which was really cool to see in a movie from DC. 
Um, I, like not only that, it had like B plots, like the like the javelin had it had its own story throughout the movie. Like, and it they didn't just forget about it or like not or just like never see the javelin again until the very end when it mysteriously falls from the sky because it's named <laughs> Martha. You know, nothing like that happened. <laughs> I was gonna make the joke, and no one was named Martha in this movie. Yeah. We don't know what um Polka Dot's mom's name was. Oh, fair, fair point. Fair point. That would have been fun to throw in as Martha. Just to... <laughs> I feel like that would have been the one studio note. No. <laughs> like, just in that last moment where he gears up the, the, the cufflets right at the end. And he just yells and Martha. Like, Martha! <laughs> yeah, that would have been good. But yeah, I, I thought it was really nice. Like, they kept, like, the thinker involved throughout. Like, they didn't just have it be, like, a one little note thing. Don't need him anymore. I like the over, you know, the, the secession of presidents throughout the movie. You know, keeping that up and going. Like, it was just a lot of little touches that just made the movie really nice and really enjoyable to watch. Well, I, I had forgotten that, and until I did my rewatch, I forgot that the first Suicide Squad was PG-13. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, I, I, I'm sure a, a lot of the money it made, because it made a lot. I'm sure a lot of that came from a teenage market who didn't have to get their parents to take them to the theater. Yeah, yeah, which is which is fair. I understand that, but from like the reception of it and why they didn't automatically come out of that, like, yep, sequel is coming immediately, and we're gonna like this was a success and blah blah blah. It's like the tone that they're allowed to play within in a, in a PG thirteen compared to what like like the range that you can hit in an R rated movie before you're even worried about X is so wide that. There, there's just so much that they could do that they were missing out on in that PG-13 version, and and they like it, it was absolutely a benefit for it this time around. Yeah. Well, in in speaking to what Ian said about like the Mortal Kombat esque violence and all that that you get in the movie, it comes like James Gunn made the Troma films, mm-hmm. worked with Troma back in the day, and a lot of that's coming from there. Um, we see Lloyd Kaufman in the film. Yep. I know Josh and I spotted it. I don't know if. You guys know who Lloyd Kaufman is at all? Or... Nope. I know who he is, um, but I didn't notice him. Uh, it's when they walk into the bar. It's like you get like the side of his face. He like turns and say, like just looks back. It's really, really fast, but he's yeah. there. Um, but yeah, James Gunn's work with the Troma films and like you know, it it's definitely evident here. You know what I mean? Because I think even Brian said like. Um, you know, the practical effects that they used were the things that is like the trauma stuff, obviously. The more digital effects is James Gunn just having fun with like, can we make it do this? Yeah. Um, and, but like, I, I think Brian, you had said like, you know, you're not even like the CGI, like gore doesn't really bother you and the more practical effects do. Yeah, and... usually I can skirt around CG stuff a little bit better than I can really practical gore things. It, it, but they did both so well in this movie, where I feel like even the—I mean—the practical stuff almost always looks better. Yeah, you know, and it definitely was the case here. I feel like some of the more CGI'd gore definitely was noticeable, but the practical effects—I feel like they—they they nailed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the character's name, 
but he, he's the first one to die, Pete Davidson's character, when his face gets blown uh, off. Blackguard? Dick Harder. Blackguard? <laughs> What'd you say? Dick Harder. That's his real name. Dick Harder. Okay. That's his, I it was that's Dick his... Hurts or something. Oh, Dick Hurts. Yes, not Dick Harder. My bad. How could I confuse <laughs> Dick Hurts and Dick Harder? One wrote Captain America, one's Blackguard. <laughs> you can't his see it, listeners. His face gets blown but... off, and, it, and, and it's, really, it's really good. Mike's just the, there the shaking his head. great, and it was... You know, I mean, that, that whole sequence was great. Um, and j- just Nathan Fillion's character, I don't know his name, but that... TDK. Sequence. TDK. Okay. The detachable kid. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. That was hilarious. That 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 to me was one of the funniest things I've seen in a movie in a long, long time. <laughs> like that, like that squad just emphasized. Like I think another little small part of this movie was just just like the failures of government. Like they didn't <laughs> vet weasel swimming. Like TDK <laughs> is. I don't know how he even got arrested because what did he do wrong? Like, <laughs> did he, like, Why is he so dangerous that he has enough time on his record yeah. to need 10 years off and still be in jail? Like, was that just to get him like, okay, now you can be on probation for your next 10 crimes? You know, like, there's yeah. no way he needed 10 years. And, like, well, it's just another, r- another way thing. they they prove to you that Amanda Waller doesn't give a shit. Like, she's just going to throw anybody. It doesn't care if they live or die. She, they are tools to her. Dispensable people, right? But she yeah. also wants to achieve the 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 mission, right? But that whole squad we see where everybody gets wiped out—they're the distraction. They're not meant to do shit. Yeah. Well, it made me wonder if like Blackguard's betrayal was almost planned by her, like she was expecting it to happen or, or allowed it to happen. I think as or at as least far expected as expected, one of them, yeah, yeah, to do yeah. It. I think as much as we know about Waller, I think that's part of the plan. Like she expected someone to sell him out. And then that's why she has the team go around the other side. Like the, the, the B team, I guess. Mm-hmm. Well, really, the A team. Well, r- yeah, right, right. <laughs> um, Yeah, I mean, I thought the, the, the direction was really cool. Uh, I think Ian mentioned it. Harley's escape sequence was, I think, the greatest action sequence in the movie. And not that the other ones were bad. I just think that one was the one that stood out to me is just like really well directed and, and shot and had some cool little shit to it. Well, that's the one most like, you know, like John Wickian or those types of like action scenes that people really like from those movies nowadays, like the long yeah. fight out of somewhere or to somewhere. Well, even like it you were talking about with cool. the, yeah, well, with the, with the flower effects and all this like colorfulness to mm-hmm. it, that like the little touches that they add to it, like that was cool too. I still didn't know. Is that a Birds of Prey thing or was that just fun? I'm trying I to remember. So. I don't remember if they I, did that in Birds no, of Prey. Right. Hey, I don't think it was a character. No, not really. Okay, I didn't see that one, so I didn't know. Um, it, yeah. The thing he did that I really like, like, is when he like put the names of everything into the background some way yeah. somehow. Yeah, and like I'll, that was really cool. Gave you almost like the chapter names, like okay, mm-hmm. we're going into Act Two, Three, Four. Like this is the next segment of the movie. And I really like yeah, those book. transitions while that shit was really cool. And the last one was like practical, where it was like an actual they built it. Like the Jogenheim one, like it's like the top of yeah. some buildings and stuff. Oh, like the debris that shifts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like it a real like one. The camera angle, mm-hmm. with the things together. Yeah, it's, I really like that one because they actually had to go make it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to uh, uh, Ian's point about the different tones, I think he's become very good at, um, figuring out how to use contrasting elements to create 
a new tone all into itself. So you have this bloody hallway fight scene that she's getting herself out of, but then you have this, like, not ethereal, but, like, flowery music. Like, you know, just, like, wussy indie rock music kind of stuff. And then you have the the flower background and all those things happening. Um, It's, I think, that's become more common recently, but I think a lot of people are going to try to use those kinds of techniques and they're going to do it badly. Oh, yeah. But he has... In his in his last couple movies, he's found good ways to strike good uh, good contrast. Even the stuff that he produces, because there's things like that that sort of happen in the Belko experiment too. So like his his touch into some of that stuff is is pretty good. Um, last call for restored direction stuff. I think we're under two minutes. I got one question that might lead us into characters and stories, so I'll save that for the end. Oh, I really. I kinda... Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Josh. No, I, I, real quick on story because I feel like I actually didn't talk about story all that much. Um. I, I, the story was pretty straightforward, right? They need the team. Mm-hmm. They got to get to the place. They got to try to bring Starro down. Starro escapes. They fight Starro. Stuff happens in between, but that's pretty much it. Yeah. And you don't even notice it. You don't notice how simple it is because of everything that happens along the way. And um, like I said, it, it, it was a good balance between... We're watching this. Look at these people. Like, Polka Dot Man's outfit is ridiculous. King Shark walking around is ridiculous. You don't give a shit. Yeah. After after, uh, going on, you know, getting close to 15 years of good comic book-based movies being made, you you don't care. You're like, okay, I accept this premise. We're in. What is happening? Right. Uh, Anybody else real quick? I really like the shot at the end where Harley's climbing on to throw the javelin. I just thought that was really set up cool. I'm going to give a special shout out to that. <laughs> Mike, any last calls for anything? Um, For story? I thought it was really cool what they did with Harley right before the escape scene. Where she like sleeps with the guy but then kills him because he's crazy. I did not see that coming. No, I had no <laughs> idea what was about to happen. And then just boom. And it's like, oh shit. And that's and, a, I mean, a good character arc, I guess, for her coming from Birds of Prey and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, she she recognizes it and, it, and it works, and I feel like it was really well done. Yeah. It was a good choice, I guess. Um, so again, this is, I'll just end with this, and we'll we'll sort of transition to characters and actors and stuff. But, more, and we sort of touched on it, but the, the opening of the movie, were you guys surprised that it started that quickly, just offing people? That many people, yes, but getting rid of some people, especially when we had known how many characters were supposed to be in this from the beginning, yeah, not really. I feel like I was more surprised that Pete Davidson's face got blown off than the fact that someone <laughs> died, you know? Like, that yeah. startled me more than the death. I was like, oh, fuck! Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because there's not even a cut, like, you don't even have time to process the sound mm-hmm. of whatever he was shot with. Like, he's standing there, and all of a sudden his face is gone. Like, your your brain didn't even You hear the gunshot the first, and you hear it whizzing, and you're like, oh, he's going to get hit in the chat. No, his face is gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I feel like, for me, I, it's, I didn't expect it to start that way. But as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, they're all going to die. Yeah, you're just waiting for the, all the other dominoes to fall. Well, in my head, I'm saying, like, you know, Idris Elba's not there, the shark's not there, 
And I'm thinking, like, these other characters that I know exist in this movie that mm-hmm. aren't in this scene. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like, Harley's going to make it out, obviously, but the rest of this is just going to be a shit show. And, yeah, it was not expected, but as soon as it started, it was like, yep. Um. All right, so we'll go into characters and actors then, and just after talking about, like, who bit it, we'll just go through all the characters and see what people thought. Uh. So, um, Mike, do you want to take characters and actors? We'll start with you. Sure. Uh, I, I feel like, for me, King Shark was the most fun character in this movie by far. <laughs> I know normally you'd think, like, oh, we should talk about this one or that one. I'm, I'm going straight to King Shark because, man, King Shark is just a R-rated Groot, really. You know, mm. like, it's it, he can't really say much. He doesn't really understand things very well. But he means well, and, you know, they they don't trust him just because he's dangerous and... I think Sylvester Stallone killed it with just, I don't know, re- they probably just had him read naturally whatever they told him to say, <laughs> say it just worked for King Shark. Because unlike Groot, there was no, like, special effects done to the recording of his voice. That was just yeah. straight Stallone, like, slurring and shit, you know? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they probably just had him read. Um, But the, the, to me, the character was great in, the, like, growing and learning about friends. And who's who it's okay to eat and not eat. That was just fun. You know, like... But also, just the idea that Waller cares so fucking little about these people that she's like, yeah, the shark might eat all of them. We'll see. Yeah. We're gonna put them all out there. They can't harm him, obviously. Like, he gets shot up by how many bullets and it just bounces off of him. So, these people that she's throwing him in with have no defense if this thing decides to just have dinner. Yeah. And it showed... Like, I feel like there's a lot of aspects to that character going on that are really cool, but it's also just R-rated Groot, which is just fun. Um, I feel like this movie actually made you give a shit about Rick Flagg, which I feel like the first one tried to and just failed. Yeah, which is funny, because that's the movie that had much more of a personal connection in, for him in that movie, and yet didn't do as well. Yeah, and but but somehow this time around it was like, I, I actually felt connected to this character, and I actually felt bad when he died. Whereas a lot of, like, every other character that died, I was just like, <laughs> they're dead, and it was a funny death or a gory death. You know, I mean, it was something. Yeah. Um, But his death felt like, damn, I did not see that coming. I, I, I just didn't. I honestly had no idea they were about to kill him. Um, and I, I don't really feel like there was a bad character you know what i mean like i mm. i feel like they all were fairly well done and represented mm. um even milton oh poor Mil- <laughs> i made a note that just says poor milton <laughs> i like that whole exchange he took up like 90 seconds of screen time just to play that joke out of them not knowing who Milton was and remembering. It's like leading up to that last raid, like you see him in the background, like helping load stuff and Mm -hmm. get stuff prepped. And the fact that he went in the building with him, I'm like, I don't know if he's supposed to do anything. Like, what's he, what's he doing there? And then eventually he gets shot and there's that whole moment. I'm like, Oh no, Milton. (laughs) Yeah. I I don't, I don't have a whole lot more. Like, I mean, Harley obviously had a good arc. Um, Peacemaker was interesting. Um, 
It was actually kind of a shame to know about the TV series beforehand going yeah. into this. Yeah, because I, I was like, oh, well, he's going to make it out. There's a TV series? <laughs> yeah. You Ghost knew Maker about that. No, I didn't. TV series. I didn't know that. That's, what, that's why they showed like the post credit scene where he's still alive. I just assume that's because of the sequel. I also didn't see any trailers or anything for this. So I didn't know there was a whole other team. Yeah. Oh. Okay, well, that's yeah. fun. So you had the best experience probably watching this movie. Oh, it was great. I was like, oh, shit, there's another squad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I, I, mean, I, I... Because that happened so early, I didn't know what the plot was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like, it, like that could have just been chalked up to a failed mission, and then something else goes and happens. Right. Um, I, I, I was and not thinking, like, oh, yeah, the B-team is somewhere else on the same island. Yeah. Um, In, in Peacemaker, I'm down to watch more of it and laugh. When John Cena finally, whenever that does happen, I'm sure it's around the way a while from now, but I feel like that character was also really, really well done because he's like a douchebag, moral, like missing morals or fucked up morals version of Captain America. And it's funny. It's, then, it's fun to watch. And I'm really curious where the show goes because so he gets shot at the end and I'm like, oh, OK, this means the show's a prequel. And then yes, the end credit yeah. scene is like, oh, he's still alive. So I'm like, okay, no, we're back to being a sequel now. So if this show is a sequel, like, I'm really curious what they do with Peacemaker's character. Because his whole exchange with Rick Flagg, when Flagg dies, seem, like, to me, I interpreted that as, like, his jab at, like, telling Peacemaker that he's a joke, like, hurt Peacemaker. Like, to the point where I'm wondering if he's going to try to change his ways in the show. And try to be a actual better hero, and not just a douchey Captain America. Right, and, and if, I hope if, he fails at not, it a lot trying. And maybe that'll be it. And yeah, maybe that'll be the hook that he does try, but does it badly. Because yeah, then if if the sequel, or I'm sorry, the prequel path seems to make more sense almost because you can play up. All the douchiness that was fun well, in the movie. Everything yeah. that led to that point as much as you want without any worry of the consequences. Going outside of it with the the, the sequel, exactly like what is his character growth going to be? If it's just gonna if it's just gonna be a, the the same dickhead, then right. What was that point of the conflict and the struggle between him and Flag? Right. Which, which I agree with Brian. I I do feel it was executed in in a in a particular way. For a reason. Yeah, because if, you know, Peacemaker's still the douchey guy, like, basically the same character in the show, I feel like that takes away from Flag's death, which at that point in the movie is supposed to mean something. There's supposed to be weight there. I think think it it, it fundamentally tries to change Peacemaker as a character, I think that that gives it that that weight in that moment. I think it all depends on how long they plan on this TV show being. Like, you could have the first three seasons bring a prequel... And then he goes off on this mission, and then there's three more seasons afterwards. You could, ha- it could take all over the place. You know, it doesn't right. have to be linear, even. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's actually a good point. Even in like just, the, I think it's like eight episodes that they announced it would be. You could have, while he's on whatever, assuming another mission. Yeah, or you know whatever his objective is, that there's a constant like lost kind of thing where he's in the present and he's reflecting on the past. And you could just in some way to inform his present. And you could even just symbolize that by whether or not he's wearing the toilet. <laughs> <laughs> it's a beacon of freedom. I, I mean, it, I think you also have the opportunity with the character because the the douchiness wasn't all centered around like his 
fucked up morals, I guess, is the only way to put it. Some of it was just like, oh, here's him standing there in tidy whities for no reason. <laughs> you know, like, just random shit like that that can stay about the character mm -hmm. as he turns into a better person. Possibly, yeah. Like, I mean, yeah, people still do weird shit when they're good people. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, it's just like the whole, like, oh, we have to kill. You know, and for, you know, for liberty or whatever he says. Is that what he, mm -hmm. like, yeah, for because for liberty. And it's like he has no idea what he's actually saying. Yeah, I'll kill however how many men, women, and children. I don't care I have to kill to get all the, the you know, for liberty. In the name of liberty, yeah. all that stuff, yeah. yeah. Price of peace is worth it all. Um, did you guys feel, specifically on this character, that if we hadn't gotten, what, two seasons of The Boys already that the impact of this sort of bizarro-type Captain America character would have had even more impact? Or, were, like, was it apples and oranges to you? Maybe oranges and, or, like, oranges and navel orange. I don't know. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's a little bit different because he's meant to be 100% comical until the very end there. Mm -hmm. Whereas... Um, what's the character's name? Uh, Homelander. Uh, the boys. Homelander, yeah. Ho Homelander is meant to be just kind of pure evil. Like, he's just meant to be evil, whereas Peacemaker's meant to be a dumbass. See, I almost feel like mm. Homelander, Peacemaker, and even John Walker are all kind of, like, on that spectrum. Like, Homelander's yes. at the top, uh, Peacemaker's, like, in the middle, and then Walker's probably at the end of that spectrum. But they all... I feel like had the same ideals, like killing and stuff in the name of peace. Yes. And it, it I think it's just like the the intent there that you like when you're saying like that arc between those three characters, you know, like John Walker has really good intentions. Peacemaker has really stupid intentions. And then Homelander's just selfish evil. Yeah. Like, so it's that that arc between the three is actually really an interesting way of looking at it. Good point. Um, Josh, let's get you in for characters. What do you th what do you think? Okay. When anybody else you want to talk about? Uh, polka dot man. Yep, there's your boy. I was honestly, I, I absolutely surprised that he had as much screen time and stuck around as long as he did. Um, with the way this movie played out, I didn't think he would have been killed in that first opening act but absolutely like part of the way through act two i could have seen polka dot man this you know si silly thing that he is getting getting taken out i wish he um his abilities would have been utilized a little bit more um just so you saw moments of it being applied because so much screen time in terms of what he the the, the people are capable of were given to uh bloodsport and harley in a lot of ways yeah so you get you get a couple moments but just even in like the the big fight action scene in the town and in, in the third act just you know utilizing what he does to accomplish a thing more whether it's you know get, get a car out of a way to run over people who have the starfish faces or to help them avoid a thing you know just implementing it a little bit would have i think strengthened his presence more and would have justified him being around that long yeah um, Weasel was hilarious. Uh, when he drops out of the plane after everyone else surfaces and it's just this big 
belly flop and I, I it it was it was the silly comic relief that you needed, but I was fine with it. Um I don't know, I think I I dug pretty much everybody. Walla, Viola Davis is unsettling. Oh yeah, times. and I, I love think it. We, we focus on the team a lot, uh, understandably, but there, like especially that end scene right before her employee knocks her out. Like holy shit, I absolutely believed that she she would do all of whatever she thinks. There's a moment too, I think, when when Idris Elba's character like th- tries to threaten her with like a pen or something. And like brings it right up to her neck, and like the shots zoom in and on it and stuff like that. She does not even flinch in that scene. Like she does so well at that stare down, and I fucking love it. Yeah, I feel like she's a better actress than the first movie deserved. Oh yeah, yeah. Like she's—I don't know if she has any Academy Awards, but I'm sure she'll get there eventually if she doesn't already. I, I don't keep up with those things, but she's every time you see her, she's fantastic. Doesn't matter what it's in. Yeah. Uh, Josh, you got any other characters you want to talk about? Um, I I agree that I enjoyed uh, Joel Kinnaman's turn as Rick Flag more this time. He he had more freedom to to be somebody this time around rather than having a like like his, like like a personal side motivation to the rest of the proceedings. Right. Uh it definitely freed him up. Um trying to kind of go through the list really quick. Uh I I did like the dynamic between Idris Elba and John Cena. They they worked that well without being, you know, too distracting and and uh that you know, it didn't divert the rest of the team dynamic anywhere. Especially when they just describe both, like when she describes both characters as basically being the same thing. Yeah, and he even calls that out. Yeah, right there. That was great. Um, P- Peter Capaldi, I think his his portrayal of the thinker was interesting. Um, I'm kind of sad that you know it's kind of a one and done for him. Oh uh, yeah. In that way, he that that character could have been really interesting in other places, but that's nah, okay. Uh, Ian, what do you got for characters? Uh, we had Sean Gunn pulling double duty as both the Weasel and Calendar Man, so that was good for him, getting double paychecks. Mm-hmm. Wait, yeah. Calendar Man was in there? Yeah, he's the yeah he's the one that calls Polka Dot a pussy in prison. Oh, like when he Sean, was like when, not in makeup or anything. Okay, I got yeah, you. Yeah, when you see Sean Gunn actually in prison. Okay. Yeah. I didn't realize that's who that was. Okay, that's cool. Because he has the, the months on his forehead. Oh, see, I missed that. I just saw a tattoo and didn't think to read what the hell the tattoo was. Yeah, I they, had, they had months on there because he's calendar Got it. Got it. Got it. <laughs> that's how you know. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the one telling characteristic. Um, like I, it was weird. I know me and Brian talked about this some um, beforehand. That Bloodshot almost directly felt like a replacement for Will Smith. And oh, thousand percent. Yeah, Bloodsport. This was not. Video. No, this was Bloodshot. So Bloodshot was really cool, <laughs> and everyone loved it. I think, and. It's just like that, you know, there was a lot of fun moments of all of the characters. Even, you know, Milton gets his big thing, even though, like we said, he's in it 90 seconds, maybe. They almost spend as much time discussing whether or not Atris Alba's name is Milton, that he's actually <laughs> yeah. in the film. Yeah. That was hilarious. You know, there's just a lot um, of, like, fun little things they do with the characters. Like, even, like, with the uh, secretary, you know, they have the... The stereotypical secretary with her breasts bouncing all over the place just so they can spray her with blood later. <laughs> You know, that like a real hilarious. trauma Sarah thing. That mm-hmm. Like that was like <laughs> their existence. Like, yeah, that's aggressive. 
Like they set that up so you pay attention to her in future scenes just so you see all that splatter of blood later. You know, it seemed like every character had a reason for existing, even the team with Waller. Like they all had something to do. They all contributed something to like bring out more of the movie just to give it that alive feel that like, hey, there's really a team in Washington or Virginia, wherever the fuck they are that actually is <laughs> trying to get something done. And like you mentioned with uh, Viola Davis, when he, you know, when um, Bloodsport pulls the pen on her, like yeah. the, the yell she gives to tell everyone to put their weapons down made me put my arms down, you know, like it's <laughs> very commanding and really embodies, I think, what that character should be for these movies. Just absolute psychopath. Yeah. That's yeah. going to kill a child to get some 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 hitman to lead a mission, you know. Which I was honestly, like, again, having watched the first Suicide Squad movie closer to this one, is there's a scene in that movie where they go to rescue Viola Davis, and, like Amanda Waller, and she just knocks off the entire staff that's with her before they get her out of there. So the whole yep. time, I'm waiting for her to just off everybody in that office, and I'm really yep. surprised that she doesn't. But yeah. she's still, I mean, just the fact that she's, you know, the acting of her just yelling and being very authoritative to everybody. So I'd like to see more of some of that crew, too, because I think they, they seem to set up that maybe some of them are going to the Peacemaker show, which I think would be fun yeah. to see, too. Um, I, I will call uh, it real quick Ratcatcher 2. Yeah, yeah, she was on my list. Yeah, Daniela. Um, I, 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 it's it's strange because like I'm, I'm I find myself like drawn to her. Like, you don't know what's wrong with her. You don't know why she's in jail. You don't know what she did. So there's like much more of like an innocence about her that i found myself um yeah because i don't i don't know her background they didn't present that to us um but there was definitely like those like as much as i would say like king shark was the heart of the movie i like might argue that with her too but oh, yeah. the real heart was yeah. sebastian who was the best character so, in the movie <laughs> i am glad you mentioned that because i'm looking at the imdb credits right now there are two separate rats credited as sebastian jaws and crisp rat with two T's. <laughs> Thank God. Shout, that is shout out to them. The real ones. Yep. In, in terms of like rat catcher and that, I mean, it, it, yeah, the heart of the movie. Absolutely. Um, you know, the scenes with her and Taika as her father were fantastic. Um, surprisingly, Taika is very believable as a homeless guy. <laughs> uh, it's the hair. <laughs> or unsurprisingly. Yeah, like, just put a big coat on him and hand him a rat, and he's homeless. Cool. <laughs> um, but no, he, like, it was... I it, Like, I don't want to say it was heavy-handed, what they were doing, but it was maybe the one part where I felt like they overdid what they were going for. Like, we got it, but they did it anyways. Like, I get what you're getting at, and you're gonna show me the scene anyhow. Mm. Whereas, like, maybe a subtler touch might have been better but i still like the scene you know what i mean like that mm -hmm. so it with you know, that it was kind of like in between on that they took us into a disney movie like he like with how the music changed and stuff i felt like i was <laughs> watching like some disney movie about this homeless family that like overcomes the odds <laughs> yeah yeah and then like sitting on top of that tower thing that there's no practical way a human being could get to tower of rats <laughs> overlooking the city at night and what yeah yeah and i mean it, 
I don't know. Like, I feel like, you know, you say like, oh, how did she get there? And I feel like there's something underlying. I think she no, says I mean, like, in how, the movie, how did like, they get what, re- arrested? Yeah, I think she she has a line about like a robber, like a some sort of robbery, jewelry or something. And she used the rats to do it. And somehow they I forget what her line of dialogue is, but they however they classified that type of robbery, put her in that prison with everybody else. Well, what I was going to say is, like, I feel like eventually you may see a storyline or a thread of something where Waller kind of railroads certain people to get them into situations so that she can use them on her suicide squad. Right. Which would be very interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm going to chime in real quick on my little list, too, which is agreeing with a lot of people on theirs. Like, Polka Dot Man, I thought stood out to me. He was pretty cool. Um, Harley's always awesome. Like I, I, I will watch any movie that Margot Robbie is in as Harley Quinn. Um, Ratcatcher Two was cool. Bloodsport was cool. Peacemaker stood out to me just for his douchery. I think I had some of the bigger laughs just watching him do stuff. Um, Kinnaman's Rick Flag. I think again we talked about it already. There was more to care about. I think for him for some reason without having the personal connection. I think I liked his character a lot more than the first one for sure. I was a little bit sad to see him go. Yeah. Um, trying to think. I think that's probably all I got. So I we'll round it out with this. But saddest character death for you? Who were who were you most sad to see go in this movie? For me, it was Boomerang. I really wanted Boomerang to fucking do something like like last for a while. Like I anything. wasn't. I mean well, anything. He he, because I think again, a lot of people don't like him in the first one. I loved him in the first Suicide Squad, and I wanted to see more of him. And I thought maybe if they were bringing him into this one, he'd have more just. I don't know, stupid shit to do. And they give him, like, a couple quick things in the action sequence at the beginning that's pretty cool. Like, actually using his boomerangs and stuff. But then after that, he dies quickly after that. And I'm like, God damn it, I wanted to see more. But him, like, dead, just holding up the boomerang in his arm was, like, the coolest thing he ever did. It's a cool shot. I mean, yeah, his death was pretty awesome. Like... It looked cool. I I, After re-watching... The first movie again i realized he was very under i i feel like they didn't know what to do with him oh yeah like, the first he, one for sure be, yeah he will be cool to be a part of the gang because it's captain boomerang jai courtney's kind of a thing right now we'll try him and he, he actually did pretty well in in that role the first time and i guess they just figured like look for continuity's sake we know he survived we'll just knock anything off we don't really want to continue with that actor or this character so we'll have him appear. He'll die right away. Because we don't know I, what else to do. I In my head, I see, like, you know, the opportunity there that they could have had him fill the role that Kano did in the newest Mortal Kombat movie. Just a loudmouth okay. douchebag saying dumb shit just to be there saying the dumb shit. Yeah. Just to have him be that role, I think, would have been fun. But that was John Cena's role. Which is probably why... It- in a- True. Yeah, you get into competing. in a different way, but yeah. I mean, he was going to eat a whole bitch beach of dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they sure. had to have the carryover too. Like he's the only other one besides Kinnaman and Margaret Robbie that carry over from the first one, right? Uh, that survive, I think. So On the I squad, mean, te- de- yeah. yeah. Te- like dead Deadshot does, but right. But then he's not in this movie. He only so... shows up if you click the wrong movie. <laughs> So that's what I mean, like, I think, you know, just for, for like, character's sake, for, like, Harley, like, she acknowledges that Boomerang died. Like, she's upset yeah. that Boomerang died. Like, that's something that led to that moment in the movie. So I get it. I understood why he had to die. I was still sad he had to die. 
That was my pick. Uh, Ian, which one were you? Do you have a saddest death for a character? I feel like it's Weasel because I really wanted more <laughs> of him and he seemed like. But I also feel like his character wouldn't have worked if he had more screen time. Like, I'm upset in the moment, but, like, thinking about it, I it probably would have sucked. I just, did you, what do did you, you do watch through the him? credits? Yeah, I know he's alive now. But okay, like, okay, oh, okay. I, I mean, that, in the moment, it was the set. Yeah. I mean, because, okay, I mean, gotcha. no one else, I, I don't I don't give a shit about Rick. Fuck him. I don't, <laughs> I don't care about Rick. Polka Dot Man, eh, he wanted to die. Maybe he didn't after he became a superhero. Maybe he no longer wanted to die. And then Milton's dumb as fuck. I would have left. Like, <laughs> I don't know what Milton's doing. Like, I would have left when I bought them empanadas. He didn't even drive the van in there, so he already was out of a job. <laughs> so, you know, I just, you know, and then Blackguard and all the other no-namers. Who cares? So maybe random citizen on the street I cared more about, <laughs> you know? Uh, Josh, what about you? Probably Flag. Okay. There, there, there was. He's our as close to an avatar in the group for the rest of us that we're gonna get. Yeah. Um, I, I, I felt to to polka dot man's death not just because it's the Smallchin, but specifically to Smallchin's portrayal of that. He's a broken kid. No, yeah. The whole time, he's obviously never gotten over that trauma. He's never developed fully in in. You see that, not like man-child from intelligence, but just uh, emotional outreach and ability to interact with people and whatnot. So when he perhaps may finally overcome some big piece of what his problem has been for so long, he's immediately gone. So I felt bad for him, but uh, pro- probably from character growth and, and whatnot, and just that was more entertaining this time around. Probably, probably Flag. Which... T- talking about Pokemon, Polka Dot Man, there just reminded me the most disturbing scene in this movie for me is the part where they're at the at the bar and he's uh-huh. dancing, like yeah. grinding up on a girl, and suddenly everyone he sees is his <laughs> mom. It's that's like oh. But all right, Mike, uh, character for you. Um, you know, I probably just come back to TDK because I would have <laughs> loved to have seen more of that bit. Yeah. played out in different ways. He would have been um, really helpful when they were in the stuck in the back of the van and all they had was the hole that <laughs> Cena was trying to reach through to steal. They couldn't reach the steering wheel to steer the van. Man, if yeah. you had a guy with detachable arms, that would have been perfect for that. But he Which, goes really that, that slow. That moment was hilarious. What's yeah, really they, they are pretty slow. Well, well the arms. true. They kind of have to crawl. They don't float there, you know? But it's not like he had to go a very big distance in the back of the van. Just through the hole and right on the steering wheel. That would have been fine. I mean, he's still alive, um, so. What, the detachable kid? When TDK? He, when they show the picture of all the people when she goes to detonate um, Mickey Rourke, um, <laughs> <laughs> he still shows, him and him and um, Harley Quinn still, like, look alive on that board, too. Like, he just got his arm shot up. He didn't actually, he didn't die. Well, he was, like, spitting up blood. But he, didn't, he wasn't <laughs> dead, according to the system at the government lab. <laughs> Therefore, he's alive. Okay. He didn't have an on-screen death. That could be a possibility because they do seem deliberate to go through the other characters to show that like deceased, mm-hmm. red picture version of them. I mean, I'm I'm here for it. If Nathan well, Fillion comes back in a Suicide Squad sequel, I'm I'm I for mean, it. I feel like you would bring him back to then kill him off right away. You know? Oh yeah, like that's <laughs> yeah, for sure. why you would yeah. bring him back. 
I made it. I made it <laughs> off that beach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or he's oh, well. that, or he gets killed by um, Weasel in the next one. Like, <laughs> oh, Weasel found him on the beach yeah. and ate him. Yeah, yeah, needed sustenance. Um, um, you you mentioned that like thing where like there's the hole in the they're trying to grab the steering wheel. Right. That to me was one of the funniest physical bits in the movie. Is when John Cena, the peacemaker, grabs the guy in the front seat and is just banging him just relentlessly off the ceiling. Him. It was hilarious. Yeah. Who did you cry for, Brian? Uh, I thought I said like the boom- boomerang. Boomerang was oh, the oh, one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Um. All right. So I'm gonna go through our list for our predictions, and then we'll we'll hit the everything else category. So, again, this was on the episode Mike, Andy, Josh, and me is who I have on the list. So. Dave Dismalchin, Mike said, uh, yes, he will survive. Andy said, no. Josh said, yes. I said, yes. So most of us were wrong. He did not make it out of the movie. Uh, Cena, Mike said, yes. Everybody else said, no. Uh. Boomerang, I said, yes. Andy said, no. Josh and I said, yes. So Andy, Andy's getting pretty good here. What did I say? You said, yes. You said, Oh, okay. Because you said you twice. Oh, sorry. Yes, you you said I'm um, all these whys. I'm just saying you now. Uh, who else? Fillion. Uh, Mike says no. Andy said no. Josh said yes. I said yes. Mm. Kinnaman. Uh, Mike said no. Andy said no. Josh and I both said yes. Uh, Mei Ling, which I think was the girl that brought down the helicopter, right? Yeah, I believe so. Uh, everybody said no, so we all had that one right. Uh, Flula, which was the Javelin Man. Javelin, yeah. Uh, Mike said no. Andy said no. Josh and I said yes. Oh, why did I do that? <laughs> I, mean, I think it you know. Pretty cool. I think when we did this, we don't know who these people were playing at the time. Yeah. We this was the the poster that they put out. They just had the cast list. It did not have Maybe. character names. That's right. I remember the. Okay, now I'm remembering. So we're really yeah, taking yeah, yeah, a stab yeah. in the dark that we don't know who these people are playing that's true okay uh so like i have sean gunn on here but we didn't know he was playing weasel or anything so uh sean gunn mike said no andy said yes uh josh and i said no uh who else pete davidson across the board will not survive everybody was right no you hire him just to kill him quickly <laughs> which uh daniella uh, Mike said yes, she will survive. Everybody else said no. Uh, Capaldi. I think I'm doing pretty good on this here. So you far. and Andy, just... I think, are, are getting... Andy pretty much has no's, like, all the way across the board for the most part, so... <laughs> Which... He was betting strong. pretty well here. Yeah. Uh, Daniela. Mike said yes. Everybody else said no. Peter Capaldi. Uh, yes for Mike. Yes for Andy. Yes for Josh. I said no. Uh, Viola Davis. Mike thought she was going to bite it. Everybody else said she's going to survive. Uh, Idris Alba. Mike said no. Andy said yes. Josh said yes. I said no. Hmm. Uh, Margot Robbie. Across the board, everybody thought she was going to survive. Uh, Rooker. Everybody said no. He's not going to... Even Josh said no, he's not going to survive. I think it's just his track record in James Gunn (laughs) movies and whatnot. So, yeah, that's, I mean, we had other lists, other people on the list, but they weren't part of the squad, so I'm not going to go through any of them. Oh, yeah, people that just didn't. That were just listed on, like, the cast list that we don't have to go through. 
So, all right. And the one that was kept off of that was Sylvester Stallone. Yeah. I mean, Steve Agee was listed as part of the cast. I guess he did motion capture for King Shark. Yeah. And was also the desk guy, too. Like, he was in there. Yeah. He had his face in the movie, too. But, so I guess we could, we could if you want to double him up for King Shark, uh, Mike said yes. Everybody else said no. Killed it. So, yeah, I didn't tally up how everybody did as far as where we were accurate or not. But, yeah, I think I think you and Andy, I think, Mike, I think you and Andy had some pretty good guesses there. I think you guys are pretty accurate. Um, all right. I mean, so, randomness. Yeah, so last category, pretty much everything that doesn't fit the first two that uh, anybody wants to talk about. So, I don't know who we, I think I did Josh and Ian first, it right, would, yeah. Mike? So it'd probably be... No, it was Josh Ian's and me, okay. Ian. Ian, you're on the clock. Whatever else we want to talk about that uh, we didn't hit yet. Okay, so in the Shang-Chi trailer... No, no, no. It has to do with the Suicide Squad. Don't you fucking do this to me. (laughs) So, um, I really... There was some pretty cool explosions. They were really fun. I enjoyed them. There probably wasn't enough for me. I feel like I wanted like 20 million times more. I just needed constant... (laughs) You know, it's a war going on. There's a civil war happening. I thought it was kind of dumb... That the revolutionaries, there's like 15 of them just waiting outside the gate to storm the presidential manor. Like, as soon as they leave. Like, as soon as that general reports to Jogenheim, like, he rolls out. There's like 15 of them standing by a gate that just run in right after that. As soon as he drives away. I thought that was just very bad, like, security, I guess. (laughs) Well, they're in a transition period. There's a lot of instability. They didn't have... You know, eyes on all the cameras. I mean, and it's also weird that nine generals stay behind, but the president goes. You know, that's also, you know, just a little weird to me. Whatever. Um, I, I thought Starfish, like, for having so many CGI characters, like, um, like King Shark, like Weasel, and then Starfish, whatever the Galactic Prince's name was. Um, I, I thought it looked pretty well for that being the final boss. You're always worried about that. Like, Godzilla and King Kong, that's what those movies are about, so you expect a certain level, but you don't, I guess, realize going in, especially if you've seen no trailers, that they're going to fight a giant starfish. Yeah, <laughs> I, I yeah. knew nothing. So, I mean, it part. still looked really cool, and I really enjoyed when they're in the eye. That was just really awesome, I guess. Like, it's just, <laughs> it's like almost tranquil, but like they're destroying the retinas or whatever of a giant fucking starfish. Yeah, when you stop to think about what's happening there, you're like, what the fuck? And it's like it's like this like level of ridiculousness that feels really over the top, but then like when you're in there and it's so tranquil like you're swimming in like the most luxurious pool ever. It it's just it's very fun mishmash of ideas like and experiences happening. You make it sound like you swam in some eyeballs before. I've got a bag of googly eyes filled with water. <laughs> Just, just soak in it's it. It's the just... same thing. <laughs> um, it's exactly the same as an actual giant eye. <laughs> I mean, I, I think this movie just did a lot well. Like, you know, the, all the character costumes looked good. Like, I didn't see anyone where I was like, that's a shit costume. What are you doing? I mean, some of them are just barely costumes, like rat catchers. Like, it's not like some type of weird super villain outfit, you know? She's just yeah. wearing, like, clothes that a... In, like a person without housing that's a teenager probably could wear, you know. Yeah. Harley Quinn's wearing Harley Quinn stuff. And then most of the other people are either wearing skin tight, like bodysuit type of shit, or they're polka dot man. Or your King <laughs> Shark wearing swim trunks because Yeah. But I mean And to be fair, don't we get a good look back at Harley's like original costume? 
I think when she first like, arrives, she's got like classic colors on and stuff like that. But I feel like it wasn't there like a flashback she has at one point where she's like actually in the old costume with like you know the the curled bells and stuff. I remember that shot from Ayer's Suicide Squad. I don't remember in yeah, this one. They do like the Alex Ross type cover thing with with her and Joker. Oh, and okay. That. Am I mishmashing the wrong Suicide Squad? Sorry. Continue. Maybe. My bad. Um, I I think there was a lot right with this one. Like I said, I think you know there's obviously stuff that could have done better. I think there were different times where people were getting cut open or something. You know, the blood's very much more clearly CGI in those parts. Added in like later, which you know it's not a deal breaker. It just gives it a very much thicker look, which is just weird to me. But you know, it it's, it is what it is. I would have liked maybe some more fight scenes because. Just, like, more of that hallway fighting that we talked about, the Harley Quinn one. Just more of a felt, like, real set piece, like, we're doing this kind of planned out type of stuff. Right. Uh, Mike, anything you want to throw in for the everything else category? Um, I think Ian touched on the soundtrack earlier. I think it was excellent uh, once again. Uh, James Gunn is kind of good at picking out a soundtrack for a movie that fits the tone of whatever he's making. Um, I was not thinking we were going to run into the starfish. Um, and the whole thing of like the starfish taking over people and having like an army of drones was scary very shit. cool. It, well, Scary shit. Yeah, I mean, it, to me, it was kind of funny watching all the people get slapped in the face with these little starfish things, whatever you want to call them. And when they all jump up because their legs hurt. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, it, it it was it was cool. Um, it, it, not, not only that, it gives like it gives the heroes, I guess, or the Suicide Squad in this case, since they're not they're anti heroes, I guess, but it gives them fodder to fight. Yeah. that was needed in that moment gives them something to do as opposed to just running away. Um, I thought that was well planned out. Other than that, I mean, it it was, I think, a step in the right direction for Warner with DC as a property in, like I said earlier, stepping back and letting a director write the story he wants to write and direct the movie he wants to. Um, it's very much a James Gunn movie yeah but it uh, which i was not actually expecting but that also comes back to the issue where it feels like why is dc only doing well with movies that don't have that aren't planned sequels or like you know not part of the greater dc multiverse you know it's the joker the suicide squad that's a reboot sequel that we're not even sure if they're going to make another one because are they even going to get james gunn again would they even want someone else to try you know it's mm -hmm. really like can you guys you know, maybe make good movies for other people with, like, stories <laughs> that are going to last longer. Yeah, I'm really curious what this Flash movie is going to be. Especially now that Spider-Man's apparently doing stuff in a yeah. similar vein as what The Flash has been teasing. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's going to be out first. Yeah, Spider-Man's a couple months away. Yeah, mm -hmm. December at this point. Flash is at least sometime in the spring or summer still, probably. Yeah, I feel like it has a date now, but I don't remember. Yeah, that's okay. Um, 
I to to echo a point about the the soundtrack. Um, maybe this comes down to me personally not being as familiar with a wider range of music. Um, Gun has almost perfected the use of pop culture music as the score. And I know there is still score in it, but he supplements and replaces a lot of that with pop music. Um, I was glad that this time around, I barely recognized anything. What well, did you like it? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I did. But it, it was, it was, and I guess it, the main contrasting example is Guardians of the Galaxy. It fits more for the movie because effectively you're supposed to think that somewhere along the way all of these songs are in Quill's head. Yeah. He's familiar with them. They were the ones his mother wanted him to have. So they have to be more recognizable because they were more mainstream. Um, and he could... And, and so rewatching, and I, I rewatching the 2016 Suicide Squad, I think we even made this point five years ago when we reviewed that movie. There is like a needle drop every six minutes in that especially movie. in the first 15 minutes of the movie yes and it's it's the biggest songs you could possibly think to put in a collection it hits all the time it's it's a little overwhelming and i felt myself being a little less overtaken by it this time but the way that pop music is used pre-recorded music is used this time around in in guns version complements what's happening without being distracting yeah you never start you never start singing the song and and ignore the scene you you, you know it, it's it's never one or the other they always go together and make each other better yeah, yeah. that was the problem of captain america 1990 when he's traveling <laughs> across the country you just got to belt out that tune <laughs> um everybody else went already right as far as what what was left I think, yeah, okay. Um, not too much else for me. Uh, I agree. I think the soundtrack was good. Stood out. I liked it. Uh, Gun, like, I agree with these guys. Does very well with incorporating music in in, a, in one of his films. Um, two other things, I guess, that sort of stood out to me that maybe probably fit in other categories. I just didn't get to it. Uh, I think the, the squad banter in the plane, like, leading up to opening the movie, I think is just really fucking fun. Yep. Like, Granted, we get that with the other squad. I think I just I wanted more with that cast and that crew. So I'm glad at least we got a little bit there that's fun. I just I think when you look at the cast list, I just wanted more from everybody. But you know they served their purpose to be wiped out in the in the beginning of the movie. Um, there certain shots I think that I really liked. Just you know going back to James Gunn's direction. I think it was in the trailer too. But the when we get the open of the movie when they're getting on the plane and they're in front of the big American flag, like that's just a cool fucking shot. Uh. When the main squad later in the movie is coming through the foggy rain, like that's real white and they're coming through the white. I think that looks really cool. And another shot in particular that I thought was really fucking cool is when Peacemaker and Flag start fighting and you see the reflection in the helmet that's yes. on the ground that yes, rotates around. That like that was really fucking cool. Considering how much how long that shot is and you're watching the fight in the reflection. Like that's, that's complicated shit, but that was so cool. That was, I had a problem with, I, I felt that they lingered on that too long. I didn't like watching the fight in the helmet. Cause I wanted to watch the fight. 
<laughs> and, you know, all things considered, I feel like it's something that normally I might bitch about because I like seeing the wide shot fights. Like, I want to see what's going on. But the fact that it's not an edit, it's not a cut, like, that's all in frame. That's cool to me. And it was unique. That, that yeah. That's part yeah. of the reason why I like it. It's not something where he took something another person has done you've seen a hundred times or anything like that. He had this idea and he was like, let's try this. Yeah. And it worked. Yeah. If it didn't work, they would have had to reshoot it and not use it. But it it actually worked, and that's really cool. Um, I'd say that this this just this has the achievement of being so damn watchable. Yeah. It it really does. I think my single, especially upon rewatch, I remembered it. I think my single favorite line is when it's like beginning of the third act when they're in terror. They've already kidnapped the thinker, and they're like setting up the scene for. Uh, uh, Utenheim on the roof and they're you know giving him the business and harley at one point says i am walking back and forth <laughs> that like those moments of her portrayal of the, of the character of harley i wish we got an opportunity for those so much more yeah like that like that is that that's right there like it's it's fun to watch the other stuff you get those and you're like yes margot robbie is harley quinn yeah. I I think we'll see much more of her as Harley Quinn going forward. I I think that's still going to be a thing. I think you'll have your shots to see more of it. Yeah, I guess we don't really don't know, know when. Yeah, but... where she's going to show up next if it's going to be like a Birds of Prey sequel or if it's going to be another Suicide Squad. Like they could put her in a bunch of different spin-offs and stuff like that if they wanted to. The problem with that is is you need a good writer or it's not going to be fun to have her be Harley. Yeah. Um, I think that's all I had. I don't know. Last call if you guys have anything else. Otherwise, we'll end with a rating. Oh, I wish they would have showed more the empanadas. And <laughs> I wish they would have brought Katana back. I really did enjoy her in the first film. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and I it would have given her. us a better Japanese representation than Ninja Turtles 3. <sighs> had to make the turtles dig in every Same fucking show you're on. I'm, I'm cutting this out. Um <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right, so we'll go around the horn and see what you guys rated it out of 10. Uh, Mike, we'll start with you. What do you want to give it out of 10? Um, I hadn't really thought about this ahead of time, but I, I would say an 8. Okay. So it's a solid 8. You want to elaborate, or is that you're just going to stick with the number? Um, I don't, like, I, I, I don't think I can go up as high as, like, a 9, but, I, you know... It was really well done. It's fun to watch. Um, but I, I don't feel like it's great. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm looking at what James Gunn has done, you know, with Guardians of the Galaxy or a couple of my favorite Marvel movies, I'd still think I prefer those. Okay. But this is really well done. It's It just doesn't have that extra something to put it in the great territory for me i don't know what it would have needed but it's like just something is missing to get to great yeah all right uh josh what do you think out of 10 uh i'm gonna also go with an eight um i don't know that this necessarily and i i i think i'm i understand mike's justification i don't know that i was ever looking for the great 
and and the fact that this doesn't have it for me is not a failing of it whatsoever um but it would like as i said a few minutes ago it's so watchable and it's so fun yeah that there's a lot like a lot of the dc movies for me outside of the dark knight trilogy well really like batman begins and dark knight um aquaman has it somewhat they don't have a high rewatchability factor like you're gonna have your reaction and you're gonna like it or not and to the same degree after the first time i feel like that doesn't change a whole whole lot over time yeah but I've, I'm, I'm never really prompted like yeah let's put man of steel back in <laughs> or, or even like now like justice league like I, it just like as much as i like wonder woman i haven't gone back to it that much but i could probably see like over the years like yeah let's put the suicide squad in fair uh ian what do you think this is tough because i like others did not think about a score beforehand and i'm leaning at like a seven i think is what i'm gonna go with like it's really good it's really well made i really enjoy it but like mike said there's nothing that like elevates it higher and like you know josh that's fine it doesn't need to be a goddamn like masterpiece or like my favorite movie of all time it's really fun to watch and enjoyable and that's perfectly fine i think it's outside of snyder probably the best dc film we've gotten since they got you know one of the greatest directors of all time christopher nolan to be involved in their universe so i mean i think that's still a great accomplishment and it's a really fun action movie yeah yeah i agree i'm sort of falling in line with you guys too i think i'm gonna give it an eight out of ten also uh i also think it's it's coming from the guy that has only seen it once so far, but I do think it also is very rewatchable. Um, and I agree that it's probably one of the better DC movies we've got in a while. Um, yeah, I don't, I, the tone is fun. I think I, I would like to see more, like if James Gunn gets another Suicide Squad, I definitely want to see what else he does with it or, you know, what other characters he brings back or brings in. Um, there's a lot of potential here to see what they do from here. And, yeah, I probably agree with you guys too. I don't know if it if it goes as far as like the great, but it is just fun. Like it's hard not to watch this and think it's fun. I think I think the humor of it too, and some of the act like the action's directed very well, which I think helps a lot. Like like there's so many movies that I think try to do action and they just cut stuff up to shit, and that irritates the crap out of me. And I think Gunn does action very well, so that's that's definitely some good points for in my book. But yeah, I think that's where we're at. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it for us. Uh, if you've enjoyed the show, please support us. Leave a five-star rating and review. Be sure to give us a share on social media. Uh, you can follow or subscribe to the show. We are on Spotify, iTunes, Google, Anchor, Stitcher. Uh, hopefully anywhere you're listening to podcasts, you can find us. Uh, check us out on Facebook. Search Bry Guy into Super Friends. Or go to facebook.com slash Friends. You can give us questions, comments, topic suggestions, any of that stuff there. Uh, try to email us, braggasuperfriends at gmail.com. It's legit. It works. I won't check it. Uh, hit us up on Twitter at BGSuperFriends. That I'll check. Uh, feel free to follow me on Twitch. We're at JediBraguy. That's Jedi with an I, Bri with a Y. Uh, if we decide to go live and do a show there, that's where we'll do it. Um, and that's it for us. On behalf of uh, Ian, Josh, Mike, and myself, thank you for listening, and we'll talk to you next time.